Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uyan Surat Al-Shura. Surah number 42. Ayah number 44. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَمَنْ يُضْلِلِ اللَّهُ فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ وَلِيٍّ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ وَتَرَى الظَّالِمِينَ لَمَّا رَوْا الْعَذَابَ يَقُولُونَ هَلْ إِرَامَ رَدٍّ مِنْ سَبِيلٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explaining his revelation that this surah, surah al-shura is a revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it outlines and details the rules of governance and the rules of government. Along with that, along with those rules, there are some rules of understanding the purpose of life for all people. Whether you're Muslim or non-Muslim, everybody has to acknowledge the purpose of life here is to make sure that our lives in the next world is not ruined. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, whoever Allah misguides, then he has no wali or patron after him. He has no helper. He has no one to protect him. If Allah misguides, meaning that human beings do not uh, take the signs of guidance and they choose to ignore them, then they are unjust against themselves. And due to this injustice, Allah does not help those who are unjust. That is why the next part of the ayah speaks about the dhalim, the unjust people. So you will see, O Muhammad wasallam, the unjust people, you will see them when they see the punishment, that they will start to say, is there a place, is there a way to now a return? Is there a way to return to the world so that we can mm, repent, we can make amends and we can be who Allah wants us to be? So this is their injustice against themselves and that is how Allah misguides them. meaning that there will be no place for them uh, to return there will be no way for them to return that will be the answer وَتَرَاهُمْ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا خَاشِعِينَ مِنَ الذُّلِّ يَنْظُرُونَ مِنْ طَرْفٍ خَفِيهِ in fact what you will see O Muhammad that there will be made present or they will be presented with uh, the fire upon them and then they will be now very humbled, humbled out of humiliation. 
ينظرون من طرف خفي and they will be now glancing from a very secret glance here Allah says that they will they will be they will barely be able to look at the fire of Jahannam and it will be as if they're glancing towards it with a very secret eye and so on but this will be their humiliation this will be their dhul and this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will humiliate them by presenting them in front of the fire and the fire will then do whatever it does the fire destroys everything in it and the fire brings about a certain intimidation and fright into the onlooker so this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will begin their punishment وقال الذين آمنوا إن الخاسرين الذين خسروا أنفسهم وأهليهم يوم القيامة ألا إن الظالمين في عذاب مقيم. As for those who believe in the world and they are not unjust against themselves, they will be glancing and looking at these people also, and they will be commenting on this group of people. Just as in this world the ظالمون, the unjust people, would comment on the people who were somewhat pious and somewhat religious and somewhat Islamic, and they would uh, cause them many forms of problems, and they would mock at them. Likewise, on the Day of Judgment, the people who believe will glance at those people, and they will comment on them also. So there will be a running commentary of these people just to, you know, be the, the icing on the cake for their punishment. The one who is the true loser is the one who has now caused a loss to themselves and to their families on the Day of Judgment. This is the day when we know who is a winner and who is a loser. So we were patient in the world and we waited for this day. You were not patient in the world and you lost yourselves. And you lost your families in the world. So today you and your families are losers. Indeed, those who are oppressors and unjust, they will be living in permanent, I mean, in permanent uh, punishment, adab. Yeah, that it will be muqeem. Yeah, it will be continuous and also permanent. وَمَا كَانَ لَهُمْ مِنْ أَوْلِيَاءَ يَنْصُرُونَهُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ and they will have no patient, and they will have no supporter, and no helper besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and no one will be there to assist them in any way, shape, or form. And whomever Allah misguides, then indeed he has no path for him to come back and to return and to repent, and so on. So Allah's absolute ability to give guidance and to misguide here is for the person who is ruling, governing a Muslim community, that he must see that there, is, there are divine prerogatives and there are human prerogatives. Okay. Sometimes the divine may allow human beings to be a, an agent for guidance, as you will see at the end of the discussion. And sometimes Allah may not allow those human beings to be agents of guidance 
because Allah sees something in the people that He wants to misguide, uh, that there's some dhulm there, there's injustice there, or there's something else going on in their minds and their hearts uh, which is unspeakable. And because of that, Allah will not guide those people. So guidance comes to everybody, as again, inshallah, you will see. But not everybody takes the time and the effort to appreciate the signs that Allah gives for guidance. That is the meaning of Allah misguiding. Hence, Allah says, "Istajibu li Rabbikum." من قبل أن يأتي يوم لا مرد له من الله ما لكم من ملجأ يومئذ وما لكم من نكير. So respond and answer the call of your Lord. Respond to your Lord, Rabbikum, that Allah, who is the Rabb, is always going to give you signs and opportunities to listen to Him, to take heed and to experience right and wrong. And then he will show you several times in your lifetime that he is in control. That you have to respond to your Lord. You have to answer his call before a day comes upon you in which there is no place of return, and you have nowhere to go except Allah, and you will have no place of refuge. I know. Will you have a place where you could be denied? Here, Allah Subhanahu is saying. That um, uh, if you respond to Allah's call and Allah's messengers, He will guide you. But if you don't, then He will leave you to you, and you will have nothing uh, to offer to yourself or to other people when you meet Allah. So the idea is the jibul, responding to Allah's call. That Allah is always showing you His signs. فَإِنْ عَرَضُوا فَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ عَلَيْهِمْ حَفِيظًا And if they now resist and they turn away from you, O Muhammad then we have not sent you as a guardian, as a protector for them. You can't do everything for them. You can only show them what Allah shows you. That is your role, and their role is to appreciate what it is you're doing. So this is the human agency I was talking about earlier. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is using the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu as a human agent. That in Aliq illa al-Balagh, that your responsibility is only that you convey. You convey in the best way, shape, and form, in the best manner, and in the best method. And if you do that, then you have done your duty. Your responsibility is to convey, is not to convert. As long as you know this and you understand your role. Then you'll be off the hook, and Allah will not say anything to you, because you have done your job. It is up to them. And indeed, the signs for human beings is that whenever we now allow human beings to taste a certain type of rahma from our side, they are happy and they rejoice. This is a sign from Allah. To all human beings, that look, when you are now given something that has to do with Allah's blessings and His rahmah, then you're so happy and you want to say you worship your Lord, and so on. وَإِن تُصِبْهُمْ سَيِّئَةٌ بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ فَإِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ كَفُورٌ And if there is some musibah 
affliction that comes upon them because of what they have sent forward through their actions, then indeed man all of a sudden becomes ungrateful. Kafur, extremely ungrateful, irresponsive, insensitive, and so on. So if good times, then people are happy. They have no complaints. And if there are some bad times, then people start complaining about themselves, about their situation, and about God himself. Man becomes a kafur, extremely ungrateful, and so on. So this is a sign. These are signs within yourselves that when you see this happening, you behave this way. When you see this happening, you behave this way. So who is that? this changing of your behavior should give you a reason to think further and to think deeper about who it is who's controlling and managing your lives. That will be Allah, your Lord. So these are signs very apparent and very obvious and very tangible in front of people, but they will not believe because they don't want to. So this is how Allah misguides. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now expresses to the Muslim governor and to the Muslim government that you may do what you want in terms of trying to influence people to accept uh, and to be pious, etc. But there will be a time when uh, you have to concede that this is now in the hands of Allah. So you will not be able to control everything that human beings do through a government. You can't do that. So you can't be their guardian. You are not a warden over their thoughts and ideas and feelings and so on. So you have to let the human now dimension play out within human beings. They'll always be human whether they follow you or they don't follow you. They will be following their human desires and instincts. Uh, to believe or to disbelieve. So now, if that comes to the forefront in your government, then you deal with it the way that you should deal with it uh, without trying to bend over backwards to appease people uh, so that they become Muslim or they become better. It is what it is. Because the fact of the matter is, is to Allah alone that the kingdom, the heavens, and earth belong. Lillahi, only for Allah is the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. Only Allah controls the hearts of people. Only Allah controls the heavens, the cosmos, the angels, and everything else. And only Allah controls whatever is in the earth, all the barakat and all the other good things of the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls. It's His kingdom. Mm. So you must remember that, that you are a kingdom if you're a Muslim ruler, but you're ruling under the kingdom of Allah. So you are nothing except an agent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So your authority, your sovereignty must come under the sovereignty of Allah. And you must know this psychologically, spiritually, so that you don't get you know, ahead of yourself. Yeah, this is the rule for understanding this ayah in the context of the surah. Hmm. How much kingdom authority does he have? He creates whatever he wants. And what is now an example of how he creates whatever he wants? Yahabu liman yasha'u inatha wa yahabu liman yasha'u 
that he grants and gifts to whomever he wants, females, and he grants and gifts to whomever he wants, male. Okay, so who determines that somebody has a male or female? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because he is the one who creates them this way and this way, that he creates man and allows man to consummate. And then man and woman get together, and then this happens. But the final product and result is a gift from Allah. So this is a divine gift, and not necessarily a human right. Conception, or having a family, having children, is not seen as necessarily a human right. It is seen as a divine gift. And that is from Allah's mulk. So Allah's kingdom, there are uh, depositories of treasures and gifts, and from that depository Allah gives men, women, and, and also boys, um, females and males. This is how we see this ayah. Or if he decides, he may mix, and then give them male and female he may give them both. Use a of mix. Part of his mulk and kingdom, sovereignty and authority, and absolute authority, is that he may render someone, whomever he wants, aqim, to be totally barren, and not give them children. Children are divine gift. They're not the rights. They're not the right of the human being to conceive. So he, that's why you have to separate the two, uh, which is now a problem in modern-day society because human beings want to play God, and they assume because they want to play God and make lots and lots of money, they frame the idea that it is a right, you have a right to bear children and so on. But in history, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now um, done this to his close friends also, that he gave children to some of his close friends, meaning the prophets, and he decided not to give them anything until a very late age. And then he decided also not to give them anything, as in the prophets, after Khadija, the prophets had many wives, but they were not gifted children. So it's not a divine right that you ask Allah that I want children because I'm a Nabi, I'm a Rasul, you don't do that. We don't do that as Muslims. This we see, this all Allah's. Then the other thing, obviously, is that Allah says, Indeed, your wealth and your children are means of fitna. So maybe Allah is now making sure you're not part of this fitna. If you don't have any children, you're spared the fitna of having children. Anyway, so obviously, this becomes very messy and very uh, sentimental, very emotional and sensitive. So those discussions aside, the social elements aside, we have a divine element here in terms of theology. Allah is the one who has absolute sovereignty in the heavens and the earth and also in the mother's womb. Who controls all that? Allah does. So if you don't like that, then obviously you may have to rethink whether you're Muslim or not. Innahu alimun qadir. Indeed, he is all knowledgeable, qadir, and he is all powerful. 
Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how much of a, um, what do you call it, misfortune some people might think not having children is. Allah knows that. Alim. He's well aware of that also. That in itself may be a fitna that you don't have children. That might be a test also. In of itself, Allah is testing you through that way. And so on. But you have to kind of concede that Allah is in control. And so, so he knows how difficult and sensitive it might be for certain people, Khadir, and he is all powerful that he's able to give children to whomever he wants and whichever child he wants to give, male or female. Yeah. Anyway, he can read into the eye and see if there's a, uh, an idea that you are dismissing uh, the other gender. There's only two genders here, male and female. Uh, it is binary. Uh, anyway, you can think of that the way you, th- you want to think of that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that for the people of Shura, when they understand Allah controls everything in the heavens and the earth, it is His kingdom, His sovereignty, up to the fact that even children, meaning manpower in your community, in your society, is decided by Allah. And what type of manpower, male and female, even that is decided by Allah. Uh, so if you have more women and less men, then that is from the divine. Uh, work with it. <laughs> uh, you can't do anything against the divine's will. So anyway, so you have to work with that system. Or if there are more men than women, then work with it. Whatever it is, then you have to make sure that you're in a position to use those human resources the way you should according to Allah's law, which is the shura. Hmm? Yeah. So this is how we see this ayah playing out um, in front of us here. The last part of the surah deals with uh, wahi. Since the beginning of the surah, there is a discussion of wahi. Yeah, the Allah gives wahi. And likewise, at the end of the surah, there is wahi. In between, there is shura. So wahi, what are some of the rules of wahi? What are some of the descriptions of wahi? And so on, so that when you govern as a Muslim government, you understand where wahi is. And what do you have to say about wahi? And what is your role as a Muslim government in terms of wahi? وَمَا كَانَ لِبَشَرٍ أَنْ يُكَلِّمُهُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا وَحْيًا أو مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابَ أو يُرْسِلَ رَسُولًا فَيُوحِيَ بِإِذْنِهِ مَا يَشَاءُ إِنَّهُ عَلِيٌّ حَكِيمٌ So it is not fit for a man, a human, that Allah speaks to him except through wahi. So can we speak to Allah? That's one thing. And can Allah speak to us? Right? That's not. We may worship Allah, we may ask Him, we may make dua, and He listens. Uh, he is the one who hears. Inna sami'un basi, He is the one who sees. He will hear our duas, and He will see us making dua. So that is different from actually saying that do we speak to Him? Can we have a one-on-one conversation with Him? So Allah says, no. The other way is possible. Allah may speak to a human being. But that... Convention is now restricted to one, and that is wahyan. Only through wahi does Allah speak to a bashar. 
Allah speaks of Bashar through the convention of Wahi, which for lack of a better word, may be translated as revelation. Whatever there is. Yeah. So Allah may speak to the human being that the divine who is eternal and is immense, infinite, eternal nur, and that nur, if it engages with someone who is now totally dependent and a mortal and a totally contingent being like a human being, okay, then there is separation between the two and the distance is, is not considerable. Yeah, meaning that there's such a wide gap between Allah, who is all nur, and the bashar, who is absolutely nothing. So how does Allah communicate with that? So it will only be out of his eternal wisdom and his eternal grace and his eternal generosity, Jude. That Allah speaks to a human being. Otherwise, conceptually, theoretically, it should not be possible that the eternal speaks to the non-eternal because the non-eternal would not be able to handle the nur. He would succumb under the pressure, the brightness of the nur. He would disintegrate. It's only because Allah's father that he doesn't allow, he doesn't allow the, the non-eternal to disintegrate. Hmm. So you have to understand that. It's only through Allah's fadl and grace and Rahman and Jude that he allows uh, the human being to listen to what he has to say. Theoretically, in the spiritual world, it should not be possible. It's not possible. Why? Because of the nur, because of the eternity factor. So the eternal does not cross over into the non-eternal, and the non-eternal doesn't cross over into the eternal. So this is absolute separation. So how does this communication, how does this link work now? What is the link? So this link works through what Allah calls wahi, which I said, you may translate it loosely as revelation. So there's a link there. So Allah speaks and the human listens. The fact that the human is able to listen is only because of divine fadl. Otherwise, as I said, theoretically it's not possible. It is Allah who gave the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, the nur with which he could withstand the communication from Allah. And it's only Allah who gave Ibrahim salam the ability to hear, and Musa salam, the ability to hear, and Isa salam, and Nuh salam. So Allah is the one who now initiates the conversation. And the servant, the abd, and the bashar, the human, is the one who receives the conversation, and that is how you initiate the wahi that is mentioned here. Conceptually, it is difficult for us to justify wahi uh, theoretically. The only way that you can justify it is say you have to you have to add another variable. What's the other variable? The other variable is Allah's grace, His jude, His karam, His generosity, and so on. In that's uh, huh? Ikhra wa Rabbukal akram. 
Your Lord is Al-Akram, the most generous and the most dignified, that he is allowing you to listen to him and learn from him. Uh, so this, now this I is saying to the people of the Shura uh, that you only guide him because Allah gave guidance to other human beings other than you. And who are they? They are the Anbiya and the Rasul and so on. Oh, min wara hijab. Oh, it is from behind the barrier. So even that behind the barrier, you are distilling, okay, and you are diluting the nur that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that you're able to receive it. Uh, from behind the veil, the veil of nur, hijab nurin. Yeah, as the Prophet said, Inna lillahi ta'ala sab'ina alf hijab min nur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has 70,000 veils of nur. Oh, yursala rasulan fayuhibi idhni maish. Oh, he may then communicate to another species, another creation, that is the angel. And he sends the angel as a rasul, as a messenger, and then the messenger then reveals with his permission whatever he wants to, whatever Allah wants to him to reveal. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala these are some ways of the conventions of speaking to human beings, conventions of communicating with human beings, conventions of sending a message to human beings is this. Yeah. So this is how you see Allah's follow on the Prophet especially and all the Anbiya, all the Prophets. And now we as now, what do you call it, people who are recipients of his message, the Prophet's message, must consider that in our shura also. Innahu Aliyun Hakim, indeed he is most high. Ali, he is beyond whatever it is, the, the frontiers and the parameters and the perimeters of communication. Hakim, he is wise, so that through his wisdom, he communicates. So what drives Allah to communicate is hikmah, as mentioned in the beginning of the surah. So what drives Allah to communicate is hikmah. That Allah is al-Hakim, the all-wise, and it is through his hikmah that he decides to communicate with human beings. Indeed, likewise, thus we have revealed to you a certain ruh from our side. A certain ruh, spirit, whatever the word is, ruh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we have given you a certain faculty that we will now call ruh. And that comes from our amr. As the Quran says elsewhere, قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي Say that the ruh is from the command of Allah. So the ruh of amr is from Allah. This ruh al-amr. You have ruh al-Quds, which is Jibreel, and this is the ruh that came to the Prophet This is a different ruh than that ruh, the ruh al-Quds. Yeah, but this ruh now gives you the ability and it is the faculty by which you are able to know, to conceive, to perceive, understand, and then to relate, represent in front of others. Yeah. You, ma kunta tadrim al-kitab, 
you are not in a position to know what the book is, what the revelation is, what an iman, nor did you know what iman and yaqeen is. But, however, rather, we have made it a nur for you. This is the same nur I was speaking about earlier. The distilled and diluted nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came to the Prophet and through this nur, you, Nahdi, what we do is that we guide whomever we want from our servants this way. So Allah guides, Allah misguides. Those who open the doors of their minds and hearts towards the nur of Allah, then they are guided, and those who choose to close those doors in their minds and hearts, then Allah misguides them by not giving them the nur or not giving them access to this nur. So this is how this works. This construct of Nabuwa and Risala is that it is all about nur, as I mentioned in the beginning. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then distills the nur in the form of a ruh, and then this ruh is the faculty by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides all of mankind through the Nabi, through the Rasul. And then as an added benefit, وَإِنَّكَ لَتَهْدِي إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ And indeed, O you, Muhammad wasallam, you are able to guide towards a straight path, referring to Islam. That you are able to guide others towards a straight path because we have guided you. So we have guided you, and through our guidance, you are able to guide others. You are able to direct people and give them directions. Your guide, in this sense, literally a guide. It's telling people, go here, not here, and here, not here. So that's the meaning of guidance here. Hidayah here means you're guiding in the form of directing. Not guiding in the mean, in, in the sense that you are able to literally uh, bring people to their destination. No, it doesn't mean that. Hmm. Okay. So that ayah says, you are not able to guide whomever you like. And this ayah says, you are able to guide towards a straight path. So one is direction, which is now the role of the Prophet And one is the direct, uh, what do you call it, in, uh, introduction in, or initiation into Iman and Islam, which the Prophet cannot do. Hmm? Allah is the divine, he does that and he does this too. The Prophet is an agent of Allah and his role is here. But even this role is so vast, it's enormous, that it takes a lifetime to understand how the Prophet guides people towards a straight path. Okay. So now it is that Allah wants to talk to human beings, but they are not capable of talking to, he, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so he creates a method and a, what do you call it, a procedure by which they will eventually be able to talk to Allah mm. this way. So Allah then created the Anbiya and the Prophets so that they're able to speak to Allah and what they do in return is that they train and develop other human beings so that they will eventually be able to speak to Allah on the Day of Judgment. No? So this is how it is. 
illa wahyan aw min hijab. So this is on behind the veil will happen to, inshallah, good people on the day of judgment. Allah will speak to good people in a kind way in uh, on the day of judgment and in Jannah, uh, as we know. Right? This is how. So what is now the message? The message is that, O oh, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what your job and role is, is to train and develop people so that they uh, are able to access this nur of wahi and this nur of the ruh so that they themselves become recipients of Allah's kalam eventually on the day of judgment uh, and in Jannah. Yeah, this is how it is. Uh, you'll see at the end of the next ayah what is that meaning. What is this straight path? Siratillah, the path of Allah, which is pure guidance. Is not a different path, meaning the Prophet ﷺ would not guide anyone to any other path except the path of Allah. And the path of Allah is which one? That the servant has total submission to Allah, that he realizes, appreciates that everything belongs to Allah in the heavens and the earth, and they understand this tawheed, and they understand that there is nothing outside of the power, possession, and property of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once you know that, then you will now look forward to being with Allah. Allah ilallahi tasiru umur biware. It is only to Allah that all the affairs will return. All affairs go back to Allah. So if there is an amr, an issue, an order, uh, then that will also go back to Allah. Allah will decide whether you have decided correctly or incorrectly. And this goes a long way to uh, developing and disciplining the people of the shura, the people of the government, that yeah, you will be, you will be forced to make decisions and you will have many umur, many affairs, many commands and orders. But you have to remember that if you have taqwa and you fear Allah and then you give the ruling, that is one. But if you don't have taqwa and you don't use the guidance of the nur and the ruh from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you must remember that I will be the ultimate judge about the affairs you have ruled on or you have ruled against. So this is now the procedure of developing taqwa and guidance and nur and ruh into the minds and hearts of the people who are the people of Shura. So in the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions wahi comes down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is now going to give you the amr that wahi gives you, the command. What is the command? That you go through this surah, you go through the procedures, you go through the understandings and all the other great signs in this uh, in the surah so that you develop as a very advanced leader, very mature leader. And you have people in your shura who are just like you, mature and able to guide themselves and to guide other human beings. So the purpose of shura is to guide other people towards sirat al-mustaqim, a straight path, a path that belongs to Allah not the path that belongs to you. It's not your path. It is Allah's path. Siratullah. So there are many, obviously, insights into how people might take this surah. But on the whole, it's a pure revelation. Wahi from Allah. And is very open. 
And it's very clear from these messages that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us in our ethics of governance. So these are the ethics of governance. Before you govern, you must understand the ethics of governance, which is in this surah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to read and recite the Qur'an. <clears throat> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to understand it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to, inshallah, practice this Qur'an the way we should. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatihi wa rahmatihi wa rahmatihi wa rahmatihi wa rahmatihi wa rahmatihi wa rahmat